Welcome to the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast, a conversation built to help you address the mess, connect the dots, and defeat addiction. Doing your work matters because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Life is tough and we're here to help. I'm your host, Ben Derrick, and as always, I'll be joined by Roan Hunter. Let's jump right in. Roan, back again for another episode. I I said I'd never leave that entry to the uh, episode recordings, and I'm sticking to it. It works, man. It works. Isn't that, I think that's what we're doing. If it another is a broken, episode. Another, another episode. Another episode. So we were discussing off mic, there's just been so much happening in each of our lives that sitting down together has been difficult to plan, but here we are and thank God for it. Um, what I'd like to do before we start into our content, which is going to be, I believe, and I use this word selectively, revolutionary for people, not only in our culture, but this lesson is literally since the beginning of time. We're going to dig into that. Uh, but I'd love to hear you, you guys, you and Ro were in the middle of the woods for a, an intense, intensive all weekend with the Samson Society. Nate Larkin, big friend of the podcast, huge supporter of our work. We are of his as well. And uh, you guys did some good work, but I'd love for our listener base to be able to hear what that's about. Man, yeah. Shout out to Nate and the Samson guys. Um, yeah, they are they are loading the bus and bringing guys to the middle of nowhere, Mississippi, where we do these in, in intensives. I don't know that word. The, the only reason we use that word is because it's freaking intensive. Uh, it's intense. <laughs> I see what you did there. I mean, yeah. Uh, but it's, man, it, it's a physical and emotional marathon because we're just digging deep um, and uncovering stuff, becoming aware. Um, and it's you, it's just amazing this stuff is, uh, it's not that complicated. Uh, when you begin to, you know, collect the dots, uh, connect the dots, and then start correcting the dots. Um, and the thing of it is, man, we've all got brokenness and trauma uh, that runs deep. And so when you get in a circle with other men, you know, that, that's, the, that's where healing actually happens. Now, I'm, I'm not, I'm advocating for therapy. But, right, of course. Yeah, yes. yeah. But it's, man, there's nothing like uh, connecting on that level. I would say that one without the other is going to be, neutrally speaking, less effective. You need both. You got to have both. Uh, you can't just go to an intense weekend experience back. Like, oh, man, I'm glad that's out. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and you also can't just sit in a room one hour a week for the next five years making very slow incremental progress. You, you've got to have both. I find what stops men in particular from going to these types of things is a really deep, intense fear of exposure. And doesn't, doesn't that make a lot of sense? And you're admitting even behind this microphone, it is, it's difficult work. There is some intensity to that. But it isn't the type of intensity that men would assume. Wouldn't you say like they, they assume the intensity is that other people are going to judge me? And that's almost not present at all. Yeah, what what we, I think, all know, well, maybe not. Uh, you know, we're all natural judges. Uh, we're, 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 the, we're our harshest critic. And that's our fear that if I get exposed or if I talk about my, you know, all my good, bad, and ugly, that somehow somebody's going to judge me, they're going to run out of the room, uh, they're going to leave. I mean, that, that's all our core fear, you know, fear of abandonment, fear of rejection. And it's quite the opposite. It's yeah. like when when a guy goes to that level 
of honesty and vulnerability, the very thing that he's most afraid of uh, is it, it actually gets uh, love and acceptance. And, and life change actually happens when, when I mean, it's so cool. We get to see it before our eyes over the weekend. Yeah, so I think it would be good to explain. I know we've got to move on from this, but the difference between a lot of what we do called coaching weekends and then intensives, it is a different type of work. Yeah, it is. You know, the, the coaching weekends are, um, man, they're phenomenal. And it's, um, it, you know, that whole weekend is just simply about getting guys to begin to even know that they have a story. <laughs> <laughs> I always say most men live life by, um, you know, it's kind of like walking into a movie with about 15, 20 minutes left to go and they walk in and they don't know the plot. They don't know the good guy, the bad guy, what's going on. And most men live their lives like that until they hit the wall and then they, oh, I got to figure out what's going on. And so uh, uh, Deer Camp, as we affectionately call it, our men's coaching weekends, is simply introducing a guy into mm, really uh, experiencing possibly for the real, for the first time in his life, uh, actual authentic community. Mm. Um, Not just teaching about it, but an actual experience. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is that is like we, you know, we get a lot of, can I say that? I don't know. Let me, let me think about how to say this. Okay. Uh, a lot of uh, church guys. Is that? Sure. Can I say that? You're safe yeah. here. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> but guys that are involved in church, and, you know, they may be in a men's group or men's ministry, which is, we need to do a whole episode on that. Well, um, probably not the two of us. Maybe two yeah, more neutral parties. Yeah, we yeah we, we'll have to bring somebody else in for that. But you know they're part of something. Uh, but boy, there's just there's no depth to it. Um, it it's usually uh, spiritual bypass and you hide behind your Bible passages, and there's just not much to it. And you know the I always say the way that. Uh, church community works is you, you see a guy on Sunday and he says, man, hey, how are you doing? And, and you, you go, man, I'm fine, great, good, see you next Sunday. Mm. And that's the depth of most true, real, I mean, just not real, but that's church community. Yeah, And we're just not doing life together. And the, the coaching weekends are simply, man, beginning to experience and possibly uh, have the opportunity to begin to do life together, um, you know, in a real way. That is the big goal, I think. You know, you said it perfectly, uh, so I'm going to restate it. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. But for you to say uh, a man goes to a coaching weekend in the beginning of the process, I think that's extremely appropriate as a definition because usually we think, I've got to figure this out. The first step is actually, I've got to talk about this so that we can figure this out. And for those that have been sitting on that deck, as we always call it, uh, it, it becomes very quickly a we process. And that's what's so new and so healing. And I'm, I'm really actually thankful that we're bringing up the local church. Uh, we both believe in it very much. 
in its design. We don't believe in it hardly at all in its current reality because of how it's missing, quite frankly, how it's missing men. And what we're going to talk about today, we're going to focus on men for one episode. Next episode, we're going to be focusing on women, but we're actually going to do, biblically speaking, some corrective teaching over things that are incorrectly stated, most often by men in a pulpit who have a very limited understanding of the biblical narrative, but they have a very broad understanding of their denominations interpretation Mm. of our sacred text. So you and I come from a biblical worldview. I believe that a lot of things that we talk about are universally applicable. We're going to zoom in a little bit though on that original story that we believe explains so very much. So there's one word that we focus on at these uh, deer camps and a lot at our intenses as well that describes a man and in typical Hebrew fashion, it is so deep and so descriptive. And the teaching that you do and uh, Phil Harden does on this word, it's really, really beautiful. And I want more people to be able to hear it, be exposed to that teaching. And just think about things, especially gender. Let's go there. Especially gender in a different paradigm. We're making an assertion over these next two episodes. We believe there are two genders. Those two genders were designed by God perfectly. And God has it more figured out than our current cultural temperature would lead us to believe. So we just have to start there. So that if someone is opposed to that, and it triggers them, they can turn the episode off. My hope is, though, they would be more curious to that idea and listen to your explanation over the next few minutes. You know, this this episode today uh, and the next one we're going to do, um, I believe that this is foundational uh, to uh, sex, God, and chaos, right? Mm. Uh, because this is this is getting into the fundamental truth of who we are and how we're created and the design uh, the original design, um, and certainly we are we are far from it. Um, but the original design, and this you know this comes from Genesis two. Um, you know God created them male and female, and uh, the descriptive word for man um, in that passage is zakar, z a k a r, and it literally means uh, the remembering one. And it has a verb connotation of to act. Now, some say that it is to penetrate, like a penetrating force, Mm -hmm. an action, an initiation. Uh, One of the things I often say, if you could define masculinity in one word, it would simply be initiate. Uh, And that would be tied to initiate relationally and emotionally. Um. I mean, men are initiators. We'll go out and initiate all kinds of illegitimate actions, Mm. um, and we'll go work until we drop and neglect our family. Oh, but we're providing for them Mm. because that's all they need, right, food and shelter um, from a father. And so, but it is this idea of initiate. And so many men um, always... Phil and I often say, you know, we, we make a living we make a living off of passive men and angry women. God, I wish that wasn't true, but it is. It is. And you know, that that thread of passivity starts in that same passage in Genesis. Because when when Eve did the deal, um, you know, where was Adam? Well, he was standing right there beside her. He could have intervened, he could have tackled her. I don't know, there's a lot of things he could have done. 
but he did nothing. And so that passivity, I believe, is just, man, it is in the male gene pool. It's in our DNA. And so men have to become aware of their passivity. Now, you know, it's like you don't, that doesn't mean you go home and, you know, now, well, I've been passive. Well, now I'm going to become a tyrant. I'm going to, I'm going to, pendulum's going to swing. From, All the way. Yeah. <laughs> all in. <laughs> no, the passivity uh, thing can often be very subtle. Uh, it comes in a lot of different forms, um, you know, just withdrawing in conversation, well, heated conversation especially, uh, not being present emotionally. Uh, it doesn't just mean that I'm absent uh, and not engaged. Um, I mean, I may be there, but Elvis uh, has left the building. Um, I'm, I'm bodily present, but, mm. but emotionally gone. I find these days, I, as sitting with more and more men, if you ask them about bourbon and distilleries, man, you, you better have an hour or two. <laughs> Unless they're Baptist. Uh, Sorry. Well, uh, <laughs> I had a guy describe to me one time, hey, man, we're Baptist. We don't drink together. <laughs> <laughs> we drink. Yeah. We drink alone. You always want to take two Baptists fishing with you. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. So <laughs> when I sit with men and I ask them about bourbon or or whatever the hobby is, bourbon is kind of the hot thing and has been for a couple of years. But I will get a lot of conversation, a lot of revealing, a lot of head knowledge, and then I say, "Hey, tell me about you know what what's important to your wife. Give me a little scan of your kids. Like, mm. do you know your kid's heart?" <laughs> And it, it feels very shaming because it's exposing, but I've been that man. I mean, I've known a lot, quite frankly, about the Bible, a lot more about the Bible and the Baptist denomination than I did about my own wife or my own kids. We're proposing today that's broken. So you've used two words in particular that I want to just drill down on those for the next few minutes. Remembering what? If, if man is the remembering one, what is he supposed to remember? Yeah, you know, if we are the remembering one, uh, we're also the forgetting one. Um, but but the idea, uh, I think, uh, is that we are to remember God and we are to act on that relationship. Um, and evidently, it happened pretty quick. Uh, Adam must have got busy uh, naming the animals and tending the garden. And he was probably watching ESPN, but he forgot something. Something was not right because God comes along and says, Adam, this is not good uh, for you to be alone. And so something, I can't wait. That's going to be one of my first questions in heaven. It's like, God, you just did the deal, and now it's already not good. Mm. Um, and and the woman, obviously it's not her fault. She hadn't even shown up yet. Um, whoa, and, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, so I'm just assuming that the men are still listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that just shook me to hear you say that. There's so much blame that goes on in a man's life. And we've talked about the drama triangle and going victim. But, boy, that was right on the nose. The woman hasn't even shown up yet. She hasn't even been created yet in this original story. And already something's not good inside the man and how he's approaching being in a, in a perfect place. Wow, that's a daunting thought. Mm-hmm. And, and it appears that the, what was not good was that there was no connection. Um, and so God, 
obviously, is God, and he is very creative and imaginative, and he comes up with connection. Um, You know, I think most people are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, it's food, clothing, and shelter at the bottom, basic, basic human needs. Uh, there's a guy named Dr. Matthew Lieberman. Uh, it's in his book called Social. Uh, you can also Google it on YouTube. But he's proposed that we need to change that because a, a human baby cannot live without connection. You can give it all the food, clothing, and shelter that you want to, but that baby will die. So maybe connection is a prim- primary need for every human being. All right, so just to break this down a little bit, because I believe, let me change that. I know mm. there are so many men filing in, well, less and less each week, but filing into churches and they're hearing the primary point of connection is going to be God. You need to connect with God. You need to read your Bible more. You need to pray more. You need to give us more money. You need to volunteer more. You need to integrate more into the Western church effort, and that's all muddy with connecting with God anyway. Uh, But you're saying this man, Adam, I think this is what you're saying. This man, Adam, had a connection with God in in a way that we don't even know. I mean, they're meeting face-to-face in a perfect environment, and still that relationship God is saying there, there's something not good here in his action that God takes as he initiates is to create a human companion. So that relationship being out of sorts is going to have its effect, even if you are communing, and I use that word broadly, <laughs> if you are communing with God, but you're not connected relationally with another human being, there's something still wrong. Even God would say that. Yeah, something obviously is something's up. Um, we always say at our men's weekends, I probably said it this weekend, I'm sure, but, you know, the four most dangerous words in the English language are just me and Jesus, right? Mm. And we say that's dangerous because all that is is a guy that's isolated, disconnected, uh, and up in his own head. And, I mean, that certainly goes all the way back to Genesis. I mean, what more, (laughs) how much more could you be um, connected with God than when it's only you uh, in the universe Mm. and God, but somehow something was not good. Yeah, it enters in a little bit of complication. This isn't a a theological podcast, but I do want to dig in here a little bit to keep men from being confused and neutered in that all that we're taught from a very early age is if we grow up in a religious environment, some of us have not. But those of us that did, we were taught when God is all you have, you realize God is all you need. You know, seek first the kingdom and everything else is going to be added to you. And my interpretation of that as a young man was if I'm prioritizing anything other than God, it is un godly. What you're saying in in digging into this early story, and I'm wanting to talk about it because it's a different interpretation, especially for those Christians who may be listening, um, that is taking those things too far, apparently based on the activity of God. Seeking first the kingdom doesn't mean and forsaking everything else. No. It It just won't work, I guess, is what you've seen over the decades. Yeah, it doesn't work, you know. And again, this is the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast. And and I can remember sitting in church uh, in in the middle of my full-blown 
sexual addiction. And, you know, of course, this was, you know, pre-1990. Uh, I got into um, uh, recovery in 1990. And I remember sitting out there thinking, you know, what's wrong with me? And, man, I was tuned in. I was a reader, and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with this thing like we all have on our own. And I would hear, well, just, you know, read your Bible more. Just pray more, um, more time with God or something. And, man, I tried that. And I have literally sat with thousands of men along the way that we, because we all want to try that because the thing that we don't want to do is expose it because of the shame. And it's like, you know, the when Adam and Eve did the deal, they ate of the fruit, and then what shows up immediately um, as they are over hiding in the bushes? Mm-hmm. Shame. And so th- this is a story that's been told before. <laughs> that's and, right. And we continue to live it out with very little help from, I'll just say, Bible teachers, um, because it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. The cure is connection. Yeah, it's just not the way that we normally think about it. Zooming ahead to the life of Jesus, I've always wondered and haven't received maybe until now a, a great explanation for that, why Jesus takes this step to initiate connection with other men as he launches out into, speaking of intense, a very intense couple of years in his life, why did he do that? Well, the man from the pulpit, many of them would explain, well, it's so that the early church could be established and the message could spread. Like that that was the only way that God could accomplish that. Well, and so they could really get donations and get paid. But that's right. That's yeah. another podcast. And then the money man <laughs> betrays him. Come on, everybody. Here's the story. Uh, but as you're thinking through it, that the idea, and I guess, you know, we could riff on this for probably two or three hours. But the main point is, apparently... Connection with God is vital and connection with other people is vital. And you do want to connect with other people in light of your relationship with God. That's extremely important. But you don't need to have one without the other. That's where we get in trouble. That's why you're connecting, remembering God and acting out of that relationship. You're putting them together in that order. Absolutely. And, you know, so often, I mean, and I'll just use myself, um, uh, there was an, uh, there was a disturbance in the force of attachment. Uh, what I grew up in, there was there was an attachment disturbance because there was nobody to attach to, and so you attach to things or objects like pornography, and and you know part of our humanness um, is is being connected and attached to ho- other human beings. And when we don't have that, we're going to suffer greatly. Even, you know, watching pornography, I am watching two people, three people, ten people connect, right? And so it's the deeper longing in every human heart. And that's why we are drawn to it. Uh, There's other reasons, but that's certainly uh, part of the appeal because, we were created by connection, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect union. Uh, union is communion. You know, it's all one and the same. And then, you know, two people had to connect for you to show up, no matter how bad they were. Mm-hmm. Um, there was connection that occurred. And so it's like we were created uh, by connection, in connection, for connection. 
And it is just such an essential element in our recovery, um, recovering life, but certainly recovery uh, in the sexual brokenness arena. Mm. Because it's fun. this is fundamental to that part of our life, obviously. Do you have men that sit in your office that say, especially in the presence of their spouse, man, Roan, I just, I don't feel connected. Does that statement ever come up? You know, I've, I've never had that, that happen. That, that's, I've, I've never really, well, no, I haven't thought about it, and it's never happened, and it <laughs> never will. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not something at the top of the masculine mind, which I'd like to talk about that for a second. I find that very, in a non-judgmental way, I find that very interesting. I don't have that thought. I've been married 22 years, and it's usually my wife that's bringing it up, and she's not wrong. Yeah. But she always gets there first. What is that? Man, I think it just goes back to um, the original design. I mean, the creation. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell guys and, and couples that, you know, um, Adam, us men, uh, we're mostly just fancy dirt, right? Because <laughs> that's what it says was used to fashion us. Yeah. And uh, Eve uh, is really the first fully human being because she is born out of the flesh of Adam. And so maybe that's why she's just more emotionally attuned. Uh, she's more relationally driven um, because she was created for connection. And that's why she showed up. So let's go back to this scene. Uh, much has been made about it. But let's go back to the scene where Eve, the woman that we're going to get to next episode, is being called into a smaller false story, way more dangerous, by the enemy, um, by the serpent. And as we read the story, the man is standing right there. You know, for people who need to look that up, then Eve gave fruit to her husband who was with her. So he's standing right there and, and doing nothing. And, and I'll be damned if that doesn't feel so much like some of the most dangerous, desperate, shame-filled moments mm-hmm. in my story. And I, I would assume probably yours. Amen. Um, w- what takes us to that place? Not Adam. I mean, he, he had a shot and he, he blew it. Uh, now it's just a part of how men operate in that chaotic part of our lives. And we would say as we've departed from these two gender, uh, saying two genders, then we've just plunged our society into chaos. And you and I sit in rooms where we hear the details and the private stories, not the media propaganda. Mm-hmm. We know that it leads to pain, chaos, suicide, all those things are the destination. We have no influencers on Instagram saying those things right now. And man, that makes me infuriated. Uh, so Adam had his chance. We're participating in something. It has, it's a deep channel in the heart of a man. Uh, don't you think men are experiencing that today, that receding or the further receding into passivity? Oh, totally. Um, and certainly our culture promotes it. Um, I mean, uh, you know, and there's, there's some good things, certainly, that needed to happen in the feminist movement. I would agree. Um, and, you know, the, then you you throw in the sexual revolution, um, and it's like, man, so many norms culturally are, are changing, have changed. Um, internet pornography has changed the way that um, we view sex even. And and so this kind of empowerment of, of women has created uh, this 
the I think just a lot of us men are just we're kind of confused, lost. We, we have no idea what it means to you know, lead our family, which is a dangerous term. Um, yeah. I, I like the idea of just the head uh, of the household. And that's not the way we normally think of it as like, you know, banging our fist on the table and, you know, by God, I'm the head of this household. Um, but, but the hey, you're he- pretty good at that. I know. <laughs> I might, hopefully, yeah, I probably did say that. Yeah. But, but really the idea of head there, um, the kind of the Greek, Hebrew, and when you dig into these translations, it's always pretty fascinating because, you know, um, I think there's mostly men preachers, and they may like preaching it as I'm the head. Mm. Uh, but really what it's saying is that, you know, it's the head of a river, it, and, and it's kind of the idea of river intimacy. And, and us men, actually, we set the tone for the whole family. Ah, and men mm. always say, that sucks. But somehow God puts it on us as men to set this tone. But when we've not seen it modeled, we have no idea of what that looks like. Um, there's really nobody talking about that. Again, most mostly what you get in church is, you know, I'm the head, and or now today, you know, just you know, it's all it's feminized, and women are in charge. And so I just, man, men are lost, and certainly we're going to gravitate to something that. Boy, it it feels good, and we feel strong, and we feel validated when we go to porn mm. or the uh, the other woman. But man, it's such poison, and it's such a trap. We don't know it. We're just getting sucked into it because we don't have purpose, meaning, fulfillment in our lives, and we're just wandering around looking for something. I've never met a man who was lost and happy about it. You know, no. they're usually extremely angry mm-hmm. uh, in the way that they're medicating that anger. I love the phrase that you use, that eroticized rage. It, it usually trends towards some sort of sexual activity, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is for us in society, especially in light of the feminist movement and things that needed to change. Yeah, absolutely. Man, they needed to change and, and they haven't. It's not like they're finished changing. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're, you we're know, just bringing... I, always, I always say Jesus actually started the feminist movement. I mean, he was an advocate for women back when <clears throat> women were pieces of property. Mm. So, yeah, you know, we can thank Jesus for the beginning of the feminist movement. And, you know, it it may, it, it may have gone too far. Mm. So let's put this other equation in there that most men that are listening, many men that are listening are probably operating under. They're going to remember their shame and they're going to act out of that relationship with their shame. I mean, this is just, we're just giving free therapy now. Yeah, we are. (laughs) This is why when you sit with someone who's done their work, go back and listen to that episode. When you sit with someone who's done their work, one of the first things they're going to start doing is get curious about your story. And also inside of that first hour, reveal some of their own to let you know it's safe to start talking about your story because so many men are acting out which is another phrase we use a lot, but acting out of their relationship, not with God, not with the created order, not with the one that loves them more than they can possibly understand, 
they're having a relationship with their shame that leads to hiding and they're acting out of that shame. And when consequence rolls down into their life, primarily from a spouse or people close into their circle, it only further reinforces that shame. This is why I asked the big question, man is the remembering one, remember what? Because I don't know if you've had this experience, but I'll be rolling down the interstate, uh, listen to a little Spotify. They have a new feature called, what's well, not new, but the DJ that just throws songs your way that you've been listening to. And this one song will pop up and I will instantly go back to a memory of shame. Sometimes it takes me three or four hours to shake that off. Have, mm-hmm. you, have you ever had that experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or euphoric recall with those songs. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember, you know. High school and dating and back seats of cars or whatever, but yeah. well, I mean, I had, an, I had an SUV, but you you grew yeah, up differently yeah, than me. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it was a pickup truck. Oh, yeah. even better, yeah. even better. <laughs> yes, and I find often that uh, men, when we get extremely dysregulated, we will search for those memories. We'll create those experiences that allow us. And mm-hmm. I think a, I think a lot of affairs actually start this way. There's something about that woman that reminds me of this thing, and I'd like to remember that more and participate in that. So where what you're saying, I'm I'm trying to get some clarity on this. Where we point our remembering is a very big deal. Oh yeah. It's the idea of just, you know, remember God, remember his goodness. Um, even with Adam, you know, remember, you know, um, I've given you life, I've created you. Um, and certainly provided everything that he needed. Um, but Adam evidently forgot. He was, like I said, you know, naming animals and tending the garden. Something was not good. And so I think it's the idea of like, you know, to you know, remember God, to act on that relationship with him and relationship with others. It really is the idea of blessing um, you always say, you know, next time somebody at church comes up to you and says, bless your brother, just look at him and go, man, what does that mean? <laughs> and he's going to look at you and like a deer in the headlights, go, I don't know. I heard the pastor say it. Sounds pretty good. I hope you have a good day. That's yeah. what you're actually saying. <laughs> yes. And, and it, you know, it means to add life to. And it's like, man, God, our creator, added life to us. And he asked us to add life to to others and have life added unto us by others. And swear, you know, you're we are blessed to be a blessing. That that's what it means. And you know, you want to be a life giver and not a life sucker. Mm. So to give to rather than taking from. Mm. Here's something that Adam understood just experientially that God was the source of the blessing. Yeah. It was the source of the connection, the source of the validation. Um, it's something, though, I feel like I get confused in my own life. I want to make my wife, Cami, the source of the blessing and the source mm-hmm. of the validation. And I find when that's going on, and admittedly behind this microphone, it happens a lot. <laughs> um, I've forgotten the, the actual source is because experientially I got them reversed. Before yep. I knew God as the source, I knew high school females as the source. Amen. And it's been very difficult, even at 44 years old, especially when I get in acute, protracted <laughs> stress, to keep those things straight. How do, you, how do you help men through that? 
man, I oftentimes, you know, us men, uh, because we don't really know how to do emotions, uh, we haven't been, it hasn't been modeled, we've gotten no training, we have, and so we have no value for it. We put all of our emotional eggs in our in the wife basket, and it's not meant to be that way. We, we're looking to her for all of our validation, our emotional needs. Basically, what we're doing is, you know, we married mama. That's what we're really doing. Gross. Yeah, gosh. But so many men, you know, that that's where we're at, you know. And, man, that's just really kind of creepy. Um, and it's why... You know, I always, even in a couple session, I'm probably going to get something thrown at me or slapped or hit or have a sword in the corner of my office. Uh, <laughs> a wife is going to pick it up one day and just, just straight through the heart, yep. I'm sure. Yep. Maybe Eva. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's, um, it's, it's so important for guys to have other relationships. It's like, a, you know, the, a marriage, <laughs> it's like a bridge. A bridge has a weight limit, and it can only hold so much. Mm. And we've got to have other bridges, not to other women. That's not going to end well. But it's it's to other men, connected with other men, doing life together. Um, and so we're in session, and, and you know, a guy's just uh, kind of been found out, and he's kind of starting his recovery journey. And, you know, one of the things I'm just telling him up front is like, dude, you know, dude is such a versatile word. Yeah. Rough, my favorite. Well, there's another one that's pretty versatile. I use that one as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, But I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, you have got to do this work for you. You cannot do it to try to save your marriage. You cannot do it uh, for your wife. I mean, they will. Your wife will benefit greatly, but you've got to do this work for you because if somehow you're doing this to save your marriage, and I'll lean up and I'll kind of cuss my hand and like I'm whispering to him. Now Eva and the wife are sitting in the session, and I will say something like, "Dude, I don't know if you know this or not, but you know, women they don't act right." It, and the wife's looking at me like, oh, my gosh, I do. I'm perfect. I'm paying for this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know. I uh, booked this appointment. Yes, like, you know, real women actually have PMS uh, and they have periods and um, and they and then they say things when they're stressed um, and, you know, all, all of the above. But it's like it's just women are human and we've been living in fantasy la-la land and if I'm doing my work, if I'm doing my recovery, uh, there's only one thing that you want to have as your goal is I want to be a better man. Um, the, I want to be the man that God created me to be because then I'm beginning to figure out, you know, how to regulate my emotions regardless of going to mama, mm. my wife. I love your description of the bridge and that you know, our spouses, uh, even if we're not married, interaction with the opposite sex, uh, they feel that burden. Mm -hmm. You're you're putting too great of a burden on me. A mistake that I see made often is is men will, they'll come in complaining about lack of sex. uh, And the spouse is like, yeah, because that's too large of a burden to put on me because it isn't about sex. And I can feel that when we're in bed together, you're asking me to validate you as a man. And that is a disgusting feeling because they're not designed for it. 
You know, we say often that manhood is bestowed by other men. That's why that point of connection is so important. And I think nobody mm. can remind a man to, to remember the relationship with God like another man. Because Absolutely. we're in a position of acceptance when we're with other men that we're just not in when we're with women. There's too much other stuff involved in that relationship. So I primarily see that the women are quicker at pointing it out, and they're often not oh, yeah. wrong. Yeah. Uh, but they, they can point out the problem, but they cannot provide the solution. Yeah. In, and my, in my opinion. The, totally. And that's the, the idea of like, you know, the relationship with others, you know, to remember God, to act on that relationship and certainly relationship with Eve and then relationship with others. And it is so essential that we have that as men because our wives just get worn out. You know, I sit with it all the time. You know, the husband's not going to church or he's hunting every weekend. Mm -hmm. And the wife, is, I mean, it's so inevitable. She is going to start, you know, we got to go to church. You can't go hunting this weekend. And and then he's sitting there. She's so controlling. She won't let me go hunting. And he's just going victim. And it's, I'm just like, dude, she's just doing what she was designed and created to do and be. Um, you got to get your butt in gear. Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't about her at all. Yeah, um, and then they fall into church. The man falls uh, into church. And then it's like, oh, God, what am I, I, why am I not in the woods? Why did I agree <laughs> to this? You know, yeah. and I, thankfully I do see, and if there, the odds are pretty slim, but if there is a pastor listening to this, he's probably irate at the moment. Uh, I do see some pastors, and I think this is a movement of God, waking up to this fact, and they're selectively becoming vulnerable on Sunday mornings, and they're getting a gigantic amount of credit for it, which kind of frustrates me. You know, like, Yeah, you, you did that for, right. for a lot of Sunday mornings. <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll hear about one dude, one, one pastor. One Sunday, guy. yeah. I'm having <laughs> trouble with my wife. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like we're gonna, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just yeah. filleted myself for a decade <laughs> in front of groups of people, but... But thankfully, that is beginning to correct. But in the large majority of religious gatherings, you're just not going to find a man who's done his work as we would describe it. And listen, I think it's important for us to say to the men that are listening, there is hope. Mm -hmm. Once you get out of the bushes, you commit to not hide, you start to reveal, and you start to engage with other men. I mean, for, for most of my adult life, what I have seen is the path to God goes through other men. That's not something we're teaching inside of Christian communities, mm -mm. but that's what I see happening repeatedly. Unfortunately, we're having to get outside of the confines of the Western Christian church to let that equation have its effect, but we're doing more and more and more of it. So for a man to remember God, he must first have a relationship with God, and we find the first couple of years are helping that man correct his beliefs, interpretation, and experience of God. That's a big part of this, right? Mm-hmm. It's so essential. I mean, this recovery thing, um, I mean, it, it's a it's a spiritual journey, um, and we are spiritual beings. That's just part of the deal. And so the God piece and understanding, you know, kind of the foundational truth of actually who we are as humans, you know, it might be important. Mm. So to be able to ask a man, I know we're running short on time here in this episode, but to ask a man or to ask yourself as you're listening, am I remembering my relationship with God and are my actions anchored in that relationship? 
pardon the religious term, but how would you say that better? Yeah, I think it's just, um, man, if I'm, if I'm going to be uh, the man that God created me to be, there's I, the only way I'm going to get there is, is I've got to have other men that are headed in the same direction that get this stuff. And we're just simply doing life together. Because, mm. you know, our wives, they don't understand what's going on in our crazy man hearts and man heads. Um, they they think different than we do. Mm. Thank uh, God. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just, but, um, you know, we just, we go to her and, you know, she's just got a different way to look at the world. And, I mean, even her brain structure is different uh, than ours. And so it might be helpful to get, in a relationship, uh, you know, just uh, building a team of men that are kind of like me, and we all are to the mm-hmm. core, right? Yeah. And Jesus certainly modeled it. I mean, I don't, I guess, I don't, I miss the part in Scripture where Jesus stood on the corner and said, right here is where we're going to build First Baptist Church of nowhere Mississippi, uh, but it must be in there. Because uh, that's what we keep doing. I think he walked around uh, kind of talking about life, uh, telling stories with like 12 dudes. I don't know. I have this dream in my head <laughs> that I hope that I'll have a chance to pursue before it's all over. But even in our area, if you take the average debt structure of churches in our area, you're talking, what, $10 million? Here in Mississippi, it's probably a hundred million. So yeah. you know, just on average, yeah. Let's just say we'll lowball it at ten. <laughs> what if we had a group of people that said we're going to invest ten million dollars in connecting men with other men so that they can begin or remember again their relationship with God and all of their actions flow out of that? We are going to replicate Zakar. And we're going to put $10 million behind that. The world would begin to pay attention. Well, the, the whole world would change and we'd never have to worry about evangelism because mm, actually Christian men would be very attractive people and people would go, man, I don't, I don't know what that guy's got, but I want some. Yeah, and what it, what it ends up being, I think what we're describing, just to bring it full circle, is men would begin, the more they's a car, Mm-hmm. the more they separate themselves out of the chaos. And they don't just run from the chaos because when, when you try to outrun chaos, you just land in more. Uh, you heal out of the chaos and you start to engage in community. It's a beautiful picture. It is. It, we've seen it. If we've seen it. We see it happen on repeat. And I, I would say just as we're closing this out, a huge part of the reason why this podcast was started in the beginning is because you and Eva were just sick and tired of trying to impact chaos one hour, one life at a time. Mm. Let's get this message out there in a book. Let's get it out there behind microphones and maybe more people will hear it's possible to exit from the chaos. There's a particular way to do it. There is a strategy and it's been working of all places. (laughs) It's been working in central Mississippi, and God is using these microphones to spread this message, literally, we can say now, across the world. It is kind of crazy when you think about that. Um, And, you know, just looking at the numbers and the growth of the podcast, it's kind of surreal. But I don't know. You know, we're in the buckle belt, the buckle of the Bible belt. And uh, maybe.
maybe God's up to something different. Um, maybe maybe God's just going to start using ordinary, everyday people rather than the the paid spokesman. I don't know. Maybe God's, you know, he has a history of doing something new and something different. To learn more about what you've heard today and to engage with the Sex, God, and Chaos team, visit sexgodchaos.com.